0: Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through His sons and daughters. Leif shares insight into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I've been in a conversation lately with a lot of my friends, asking them even a couple of questions. What is the world's greatest injustice? And most of these has been believers. One of my friends has dedicated his life. He lost his son to opioids and fentanyl. And he's dedicated his life because in America, there was over 112,000 people that died of opiates and it is a horrific injustice, the unborn life and we can just go through it again and again. So you have many of my friends that described it in a different way but even then if you were asking God and say, God, what is one of the horrific injustice, global injustice that is taking place? And I know on the Father's heart Something that I know is very near and dear to me. I'm not putting that in category against anything else. But I wanted to bring a global mission awareness to this one issue that I think It's just been burning in my heart that I want to make sure that everyone, every believer at least have a global mission awareness. And that's in the name of the very mission organization that we founded in December of 1999, that we're going to have an awareness of the world that God loves so much. And here is the story. I still remember the first time I went to Congo. We had first gone into Uganda and I'm from Uganda, took a small little plane, landed in a little war, kind of a torn airport with bullets holes everywhere i kind of was nervous they put us in another small little cessna airplane where we had a muff mission asian fellowship pilot took us up into the air and it was one of these bumpy bumpy roads. and as long as my eyes could see all i could see was trees and jungle area until he's landing and i'm thinking with this small little plane and the bumpy where is he landing because there's no airport here and it was just a small little grass field in the middle of between the trees that i made room and we landed there and when we landed we started the ride and it was a long long ride through pretty rough uh, uh, terrain several different times the winches of the, the vehicle we just had to pull us up because of the holes in a row and finally we came to this one group of people and they called the pygmy They are these small little people and then suddenly we started to be in there and one of our friends had been in there to share the gospel with these people for the first time. And this is part of the highlights we wanted coming in to see how we can help, assist, support and to be able to help them. But here's what surprised me. These people in the middle of nowhere offered me a Coca-Cola. Here I am, now living in the city of Atlanta, and somehow since 1892, for about 34 years, Coca-Cola has a mission that everyone is going to know this sweet drink. Everyone is going to experience it. So through the advertisements, to dropping Coke from the air, I don't know everything they've done, that somehow, how is it that I have never been to a place in the world yet where people have not heard about Coca-Cola? And I'm talking about the places I've been, has been some strange places, unusual places from the jungle of Malaysia and among the Orangasli. And I could just go on and on to all over Africa, Southeast Asia, Middle East. When I'm meeting people, including my taxi driver, when I realized that he had never heard the name of Jesus, a Pashtun taxi driver, quite a few years back. And as I started talking about Jesus, it's like, who is this man? Or oh, he is the prophet in the Quran, but they never met a Christian. And actually over 90% of Muslims have never met a genuine born-again Christian. Never met one even. Not even talk about they've never heard the gospel. Wow, this taxi driver, Coca-Cola. He could even offer me a cold Coca-Cola in the middle of this extreme heat. So I thought this was just a very interesting phenomena that for Coca-Cola, with their resources, has been able to do their mission While here we are, just in America, about 450 some thousand churches. But on a global level, if you have 45,000 denomination and all of these millions and millions, Uh, Perhaps uh, if you're putting the Protestant and the Catholic world together, the largest religious fraction in the world with about 1.7, 1.8 billion people with one assignment to fulfill the Great Commission. Why is the Great Commission not fulfilled yet? Why has Jesus not come back yet? Why are we suffering all the darkness and the evil and the horrific things that we're seeing in the front of our eyes over and over and over again? when he does not want anyone to perish. And when we are watching people perishing on a daily basis, there's something in me that is just burning and I'm realizing that there's an injustice that is taking place. Why is all of that? And I'm going to kind of put that into a little perspective because I think, first of all, a lot of people do not have an awareness First of all, what is taking place in the world? They do not know the difference between if I'm going on a mission trip to Guatemala or if we're going into Nairobi to help a church there to feed the poor. Or none of these things is bad. Or We're building perhaps a little church building in Panama. Or perhaps we go to El Salvador and we're helping one of the churches and our friends there to be able to reach out to the poor. We just did some of that in the Philippines. We did some of that in Cuba just recently. So there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with something else. If we are just doing those things and losing out, that the main thing needs to be the main thing. And that is that his last command must become our first priority. And his first command was not just that we're going to feed the same people who have been fed over and over again. But our first priority is going to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to hear the gospel, that everyone is going to have an encounter with Jesus, that everyone, just like Coca-Cola, is clear about their mission. Every believer, if they can become clear with their mission and then also starting to prioritize that mission because that's God's mission, then if we just did that and a small little turn, I call it repentance, coming back to God in our first love, we're going to be able to fulfill the great commission and Jesus will come back and he's going to restore a new heaven and a new earth and we can going on with what he had intended from eternity past. So let me get back to the point and let me simplify the world of over eight billion people. Did you know a couple of facts in the world that India just became bigger than China and the country with the biggest population? Did you know also that India is the country now with the most unreached people groups. I didn't know if you knew that. Meaning that in India there's more people that have never heard the name of Jesus. There's more ethnic group in India that don't know who Jesus is. I want you to know also when we are talking about go and disciple nation. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20. Well this gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a witness to all nations. And we're hearing nations and nations and nations. We think about Norway. So let me just Put that into very simple terminology. My country, Norway, uh, the gospel has been there for yeah, much over a thousand years since Christianity came to Norway. And of course, we're very much affected by the Reformation. So. But if you live in Norway, there's not one single person in Norway, if they desire and if they do want to, that have an opportunity to either turn on a channel, go to a bookstore and find a way of hearing this good news about Jesus. There's not one single excuse for any Norwegian to go to hell, except for a lot of the Norwegian perhaps has a wrong idea of who God is, perhaps as the same they have so many different things that they don't need a Jesus. So they do have a healthcare system, they have government, they have everything to take care of them. Why do I need a Jesus? Or perhaps they have not seen a genuine revival in Norway for so many different years, where they eventually starting to see a Holy Spirit move to show the Norwegian a God like Jesus. Put it in a perspective, if you look at the statistics, how much of Norway would be considered Christian? And people, will, the statistic was, oh, 85 90% used to be even more. But what I mean with that, that's the religion in Norway. It has nothing to do with Jesus, Christianity. So just follow me for a second. But if you say, how many people are born again Christian in Norway? Ah, that's a very good question. That would be between 6 and 7%. I don't know if you got it, Norway would then say, well, let's send some missionaries to Norway because there's a lot of people that are not saved. But Norway is reached, meaning they've been fed over and over again for over a thousand years and they've had many opportunities, but somehow have not yet uh, surrendered to Jesus and said yes. Should we minister in Norway? Yes. Should we invest in Norway? Yes. Same if you go to America where there is a church pretty much on every street corner. If you're going around in America and you're seeing not just how many churches and how many ministry and how many missionaries and how much resources, but when you start to see what we have, and I'm putting this into perspective because I don't know if you're realizing that if we just spend as much money as we spend on golf, we could fulfill the Great Commission. I don't know if you got just the perspective that we do not have a money problem in the world. We have a heart problem. And he said, where your treasures is, is where your heart is. So one of the best ways we can do the heart test, and let's just be honest, the way you do the heart test. Now, I have been in a couple of times when they test your heart and making sure everything is flowing well. And it's a very beautiful thing when it does. But I want us to do and make sure we do a kingdom heart test today. And to make sure where your treasures is, is also where your heart is. And here is the facts. Here is some of the reason we have so much darkness. This is why we have what's going on in Hamas. Here are some of the things that's going on between Ukraine and Putin. Here are some of the horrific things of the killings going on in northern Mozambique. And I could just go on and on and on with the injustice issue. I could talking about the human trafficking. I could talk about persecution among about 360 million believers that will wake up this morning with fear and where many of the people have fear to go to church because they don't know if they're going to be raped. They don't know if they're going to be beaten. They don't know that wall, this is the wall that Jesus loved. Why is there so much injustice? Why is there so much evil? I tell you, we do not have a darkness problem, but lack of light. And if we do not invest in the light, knowing you're in the light business, and that's your primary focus, but where do we need to invest the light? Where there is darkness. So if I'm going to get the light bulbs and requested light bulbs, let me not just put the light bulbs where there's already all these lights. Put it into perspective. So let me just describe it in another way. The majority of the resources that we have. So if I'm just taking out a simple old thing. I just brought with me a $100 bill. Wow. Here's a $100 bill. And out of that $100 bill, did you, if you're going to say how oh, much of this $100, this is neutral, by the way. This could be crack cocaine. This could be all kinds of evil. This could be prostitution in a lot of parts of the world. So the money in itself is neutral. It has all to do with the hearts that control this $100 bill. So with this $100 bill, I can get 20 new names added to the Lamb's Book of Life in my events in one country. In another country, I can get five. In another country, I can get one. Or in America, I would need another 50 of these excuse me, not more, 50. I need actually 500 of these just to be able to get a name added to the Lamb's Book of Life. So that's just to put things into perspective. So it costs a lot to be able to get somebody to receive Jesus in Norway or in America. But it costs very little over there. But my question would be, isn't a life in Pakistan or Bangladesh or in Afghanistan or any of these places worth as much as a life here in the United States? And the answer is very clearly yes. And don't misunderstand me. I am not saying we shouldn't invest in churches. I do not believe uh, that we are not supposed to invest the $50,000 that is needed to be able to make it hard for people to go to hell in America. I believe we need to continue to invest in America. But I wanted you just to see why the world is the way it is, and how this is an injustice in regard to the kingdom of darkness. But to put in another, and I actually lost, but if I take a, a quarter, and if I put two of these quarters together, out of the $100 bill, these two quarters then would be, that would be exactly what would be given to what is number one on God's list. So if I'm saying God say I want you to invest so the 50 cents then that is two quarters that's all out of every hundred dollars that is being invested to all the Muslims, the Hamas, the Al-Shabaab, the Al-Qaeda, the Taliban and all the Muslims in the world the Hindus of the world, the Buddhists in the world, the darkest places in the world we have not yet have the gospel. And Jesus will not come back until we have invested into that harvest. And that harvest is actually ripe right now. But we need harvesters. We even actually have harvesters that is ready to go. But the Bible says, how are they going to go if nobody sends them? And that's where there needs to be a partnership between the Western church and the third world. We need what they have. They have dedicated life. They have laid down life at some of the persecuted church. They're paying all this, but we need what they have. And I've learned so much from them, but they also need what we have. And the partnership together, we can fulfill the great commission. So I just put that into perspective. A couple of more illustrations, just as a little paradigm down here. And that is, if you just imagine, and I used to do this and I can't do it any longer because it is too painful. I used to the old office down at the Bank of America building, we had an office. But I, I got me an hourglass and I found out how many small, tiny little sand was in there. And did you know that 45,000 people, that doesn't sound much, but if I took the stadium and showed you a picture, you will see, wow, 45,000 people. They will die today. They enter eternity, mean, when they die. They will die. Either you die with Jesus or without Jesus. You either die with the gospel or not. You either have eternal life or you are separated from God for eternity. Which one of those two? And 45,000 people, they are dying and they never once got a chance to hear the name of Jesus. So I used to have this hourglass on my desk and then when that ticking and ticking and ticking, it came down, I turned it around the next day. But I was so devastated because it was almost like even if we had a few of us that are coming in and we got involved with it and I realized you maybe went to some churches and we went to some business people that I released that the majority, 95 out of every hundred dollars is just spent so that we can be comfortable, be discipling Christians that is already going to go to heaven. And it's like taking these big fishing boats and let's paint the fishing boats and let's clean up the fishing nest and all of those things. The only thing we are not doing, we're only spending 50 cents fishing. When well, I call. It was to rescue them, but we're not spending the time rescuing. We're we taking the time to take care of the people that are working on the boat and in the boat, but not on the very thing that was the purpose. We had taken the time, or to put that in another illustration, and that is September eleven. That was very two thousand one to nine eleven. And where were you? Some of you were not born, but a majority of us was. And I was in Mozambique when I landed in Johannesburg with a little broken foot. And I saw the airplane flying into the building and the devastation. And it was horrific. It marked me. It marked the Western world. And somehow we were aware of an evil. We were involved with something demonic. And I remember what the is said to me, how could it be that dark? And I knew because for over two years before, I've been trying to go to the different churches, even with that region and area and says, hey, can you help me to take the light? And can you help us to take the love? And can you help us to reach those people that have never heard the gospel And that part? that many of them said, "No, oh, we, we have a parking lot and we, we're building a basketball court right now to get ready for the youth people so they, they don't have to go to the secular court to play basketball. And we can gather them to the church. And, and we have, I mean, there were so many different things that we were doing with the resources that we have, but it was not in the heart of reaching the unreach. And I'm not saying give everything there, but what I am saying, there's something wrong when, as I'm saying, that we're using all these resources. So here's the pitch of September 11. Imagine what happened that day. And if I showed a video in the front of you, it wouldn't be helpful for all of us. We do not like trauma and we've all had enough trauma, but you can get the idea. But imagine 15 times September 11, 15 times. So throughout the day, 15 times we got that news. And then tomorrow you will wake up, there's another 15 times. Did you know it was like 15 of those September 11 moments happens every day. And these people on those planes, on those 15 planes, they perish and they didn't get an opportunity to be rescued. Not because they didn't want to, they never had a chance, because nobody, nobody took the gospel. Nobody invested in love. Nobody gave them a chance. Nobody sold into them to be able to hear. So now let me ask the question, why is that? I think number one is we're not aware. I didn't know for many years. I went to Guatemala. I went to Kenya. I went to South Africa. We went to Romania. We helped build an orphanage. We did all kinds of things, and it is good. Please do more of it. Please go on mission trip. Please do not misunderstand me. Let's do more do anything that is good for people. Let them taste and see how good God is. I'm totally for it. Building hospitals, helping to build church buildings, so there can be more and more. All those things is good. But here is what's missing, that we're doing so many of these good things, that we're forgetting doing some of these things that is number one on God's priority. And that is that they do not even get the leftover of what is on the table. They get very little or nothing. So to put it, if you look on the world's map, 10 degrees north of the equator and 40 degrees north, and you take a line across, and it's like a window. We call it a 1040 window. And later on, when we're starting to do our kingdom perspective course, I'm going to get a lot of visualizations so you can see. it. So here, 8 billion people in this world. The world is broken down into three simple parts. There's all those people that are already born again, saved. Then there's people that are what we call also nominal Christian as part of that category. But then there's another group of people. They are not saved. They are not born again. But they've heard the gospel. They are aware of the gospel. You can go all over the Latin America. You can, you can cover so many places, including in America. There's a lot of people that are not saved in America. They know about Jesus. Uh, some of them are atheists. A lot of them just have a wrong view of him. A lot of them decided, no, self is going to be sent on my life, not Jesus. Some of them maybe raised their hand and have a Savior, but they don't have the Lord. And we could go on and on and on. There's a lot of different reasons why people out there have not surrendered to a God that looks like Jesus. But if you put in that category, which is the majority of the category of America and Europe that has become post-Christian culture, there's a big reason for that, and that's a whole subject that we're going to look at. So, that would be the second part of the world. So, number one, there is the people out there. As I said, the people there that are born again Christian, born again Christian. Then there's the next circle. They are people that have heard the gospel. They've heard the gospel. You could call it an ABC wall, but they've heard i have heard it over and over and over again, like I heard the gospel so many times until eventually one day. So please continue to plant seed everywhere you go, because one day maybe one of those seeds will come forward when somebody's either in a crisis moment or, or somebody plants seed and somebody else water and then somebody else brings it in. So I never say don't plant seed, but I want you to capture. But then there's another group of people. First of all, that group have little or no gospel. If you put it into perspective, in the world, 8 billion people, 3.4 or so of those billion, meaning almost 50%, over 40% of the world's population, have little or no gospel. And among them, about half of them, between 1.7 and 1.9 billion, I didn't say million, billion people have never once heard the name of Jesus. So here is God's big idea. Would you like to be part of God's big idea to deal with the world's greatest justice? Why don't the church, why don't the believers, why don't they suddenly join God in what he is doing to be able to make sure that they have an opportunity? to experience, to have an encounter, so that the gospel can be proclaimed, it can be demonstrated, and that you plant a community, missional community or a church in their context among these people group. Because when Jesus says, when the last one of those ethnical groups, meaning they have a language, they have a culture, they have a, they have all these things. So when he talks about nation, it does mean it's like in Pakistan, you say, well, there's Pakistan is a nation. That's not what scripture is talking about. It is ethnical groups. So there you have over 490 different ones, and you have all these major categories. All of them is going to have, in their context, an encounter with a God that looks like Jesus, and it's going to be a community. When that has been happening all over the world, and all these people is getting an opportunity, Jesus says, I will come back. He says in Matthew 24, 14, and let me take it a couple of verses earlier, and it's going to be a whole topic in itself on another podcast, but the question the disciple asked of over 2,000 years, and you may be asking that question. And many people right now, they are suddenly wondering, when are you coming back, Jesus? And by the way, it's a very good question to ask, because we should all actually live our life, knowing perhaps we are the generation that is going to experience, what well, for 2,000 years they've been dreaming of, the second coming of Jesus, when Jesus comes back, the lover of our soul, when the bridegroom comes for his beautiful bride, as spotless brave and the move of god's spirit is going to happen before that happens so anyway here we are in the hope stretch the disciples says what is the sign singular of the coming of the Son of man matthew 24 3 jesus talked about earthquakes famines rumors of wars and you say yeah 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 all of that is happening but then he gets to verse 14 <coughs> and he said but this gospel Actually, the verse 13, he said, but the end has not yet to come. So a lot of people have been looking the watch, looking at all the signs. He says, no, no, look at this sign. It was singular, not signs. And then he comes to the answer in verse 14 that this gospel. And by the way, the gospel means good news. And let me make a powerful statement that I heard from someone. And that is the gospel is only good news to the people that gets it on time. Let me say that one more time. There is no good news and there is no gospel if people don't receive it and they receive it in time. Like some of the people that I know and I meet that have lived their entire life and they died and they didn't get the chance to experience this good news. It's like you having the cure for the disease they've had, but nobody took the cure to them. We were building maybe factory building for this medicine. We were maybe in the next moment doing marketing campaign. We did all of these things, but the very thing we did, we didn't bring the cure to this disease called sin that people have been struggling with, or the strongholds and the shame and whatever has been the culture, bondages of that culture. We never brought the medicine to the ones. That is one of the biggest injustices. So Jesus, when this gospel, the good news of the kingdom, that means that Jesus is going to rule and reign in every area. That gospel is going to be preached. That means somebody must, talking about it, somebody must have brought it. Some must be part of the harvesters that brings in this. And that is when this gospel of the kingdom has been preached as a witness and testimony to all of these nations. And then And the end will come. Six of the most important words in the scriptures. And then the end will come. When will the end come? When the good news. And the good news is only good if it gets on top of the gospel, of the kingdom that has been preached as a witness and testimony to all of them. So what time are we living in? We're living in a time when the shaking is going on, because when we don't take the light there, darkness comes here. And then we have all this reaction. We don't understand. It's getting so dark. They're flying into buildings and suicide bombers and the borders. And we're getting involved with all those things and we are drowning. Are watching news of bad news because we don't know how to present good news and turn on good news. And we do not realize that the root problem that God allowed even there, if you remember in the early church where they were gathering, they had an amazing meeting, there was revival and this and that. But he allowed that saying come, but God allowed persecution to take place. Why? They got scattered. And now why did they scatter? Because the good news they had now can be spread into the area where the gospel has not been. And I love what Apostle Paul, he captured this. He had a love encounter. And you can connect that with 1 Corinthians 13. But one of my key verses, why we even started Global Mission Awareness, what shaped my life was Romans 15, 20. What Paul says, that I have this ambition, this this holy ambition, and that is to preach Christ Jesus, where Christ has not been preached before, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. And then he apologized to the church in Rome and the other church. Sorry I couldn't come here. Sorry I couldn't be with you. Sorry. Because he was so focused. Why was he so focused? Because he understood the heart of the Father. He understood Jesus' mission. He understood he was led by the Spirit. And he knew it's an impossibility for me to see Jesus again. Until the people that have never heard the gospel or hearing the gospel and experiencing. that's why he planted churches where there has not been churches. Well, we plant churches where there's all these churches that compete with one another. He wanted to make sure light and the lighthouses of love was going to be planted where it was not and creating community, missional community that will again then multiply and take that gospel until the world is filled with glory so that Jesus has come back and everything that Jesus paid for, it was worth the price that he paid. And I want to pray for you because you are a harvester. And maybe some of you that are out there say, oh, I was not aware of this. I want you to know in this season, I'm going to invest a lot of time. Later on, we're going to do a masterclass just to help people to get a global mission awareness. That's why we name this organization, Global Mission Awareness, because I want everybody to have an awareness. This is what's going on under the world. Here's what God is doing. I know what the devil is doing. That's not the issue, but here's what God is doing. And this is your part. And I am asking even many, because we are asking people over and over, would you be involved? And right now, I have hundreds and hundreds of pastors on the front line. They're willing to give their life for the gospel. They're willing to go in. Some don't even have motorcycles or even a bicycle, but they're willing even to walk and to take the gospel, knowing that they're going to be killed, knowing their wife is going to be raped, but they're ready. All they need is somebody of us that is willing to sacrifice a few Starbucks and everything. So, but the reason it has not happened is just again, people have not yet captured a heart for the ones that is perishing. When that happens and the Holy Spirit do that work, Money is not going to be an issue because where our treasure is, is where our heart is. Then suddenly we're going to start to sowing into that place. And we are going to experience in ourself the spirit of abundance coming upon us because now we're getting involved in what God is blessing and what God is doing. And the spirit of abundance will starts to flow. And God will start to bless you. But why does he want to bless you? To be a blessing and to be able to make sure to take the gospel where the gospel has not been before. And that's the heart of the Father. That's the injustice he's going to deal with and you and I just imagine the airplanes into the building. What if you and I can get together and stop one of those airplanes and these people are coming up and say, thank you. I do not even have to go many of these places. We've already raised up the people. Today, five minutes before this, between the two podcasts that I'm doing, I got me another text, we're opening up another college seminary, church planting institution right on the border of Afghanistan. We're opening up two right now at the most radical area of unreached area to be able to raise up harvester, to raise up pastors, church planters, evangelists, business people that will take the gospel. They're risking everything. They say no to everything because they've said yes to Jesus. All they need is for you and I to come alongside. That's what Global Mission Awareness is about. We, I'm not a hero. We are not the hero, they are the heroes. What I'm trying to connect with you as a hero, with those heroes, and you can be a hero in the big story of God, by suddenly getting involved, by praying, but also for you to make a sacrifice. I have one woman who gives $10 a month and has done it for years, but it's a sacrifice. I have somebody else giving $1,000 a month, has nothing to do, and I'm not here to ask for money, but I do not apologize for asking you to invest in light, to invest in love. One of the things we have done, and I paid a high price for it, is to prepare the way to open up and get favor through these darkest places in the world. And I will continue to go as long as I can walk. And when I can no longer walk, I'm going to crawl. Why? Because there's an urgency. Can you hear the urgency? Can you hear the cry? Can you hear that the harvest right now is actually ripe and that the harvester are ready. And God is saying, who can I send it? Who will go for us? And who will be the senders? And that's where some of us step in. If you're a businessman, you should be a kingdom businessman. If you're a kingdom businessman, the gospel of the kingdom will be part of your portfolio. And this is an eternal investment plan that we get to be part of. And your hundred dollar bill, please give to the church. I'm not telling anybody what they supposed to give that what I am asking you, at least for all of us, what if we gave 10% of the kingdom money towards the ones that has never heard? Very few of us would have to sacrifice a lot about, but what if we did that, you know? We were able to fulfill the Great Commission in no time. Even if we did 1%, we could do it. And I'm going to pray for us. This is his invitation. I want anyone that is here, if you do not know exactly where do I give that, we can maybe be a good place. At least we do have the people. At least we have now 28 years of learning and failing. So I think that if the investment is a little bit more secure. It's never secure in that part of the world. But one thing I know for sure, that we are going to continue to do whatever it takes, whatever it costs. We are going to make it sure for people to go to hell, make it very hard for them to go to hell. And we are going to make it easy for them to get to heaven. And we are going to invest in light. And we are going to invest in love. Because it is the one thing that changes everything. So Father, I just thank you for each person. Many of the people that are even watching now, they are already partners. Some of them are love partners that has helped me, personally speaking, to going in and raise up. All these harvesters, they have helped me to going into meet with Muslim leaders, helped me to gathering all the Muslim streams and Hindus and all these religious groups of people to suddenly get this uncommon favor where we can get into the grassroots and to be able to get the gospel and we are able to plant churches and to be able to see the quadriplegic walk, the blind eyes open, and eventually the good news of the kingdom being proclaimed and demonstrated in such a way in the darkest places but there is more we're dreaming with God and I want somebody to dream with us as we now are looking into the harvest the year of the harvest as it is so ripe and we are planting schools all over the border region and we're planting into other nations training center for people that are harvesters And we are also given an awareness now to all of the sons and daughters, of all the people that are connected to the Father's family, to getting involved and praying, getting involved and sowing into this and becoming a partner. So I just want to challenge you. If you're a partner, ask the Lord, is this what you're supposed to do and how much are you supposed to do? Totally between you and him. I am not going to manipulate because it had to come from the Holy Spirit. It has to be Spirit-led. If you're not a partner, If you're sensing there is a stir in your spirit, ask the Holy Spirit. Is it $10 a month, $100 a month? Is it a one time? Again, I'm not going to tell you what is going to happen. Maybe you will be part of the ambassador circle and you will have access to me, but I'm connected to a small group of people. where we do some strategic things that nobody will know about, we have a few people there that does $1,000 a month that have suddenly given us an opportunity that has opened up the door for tens and tens of millions of people to hear the gospel for the first time to a small little group of people that is doing both overt and covert revival in the world so whoever you are whatever you do receive it so i bless you right now as you're just getting a new vision for the harvest, as you're waking up and knowing there's gonna be a new provision. And if you maybe say, I, I'm just struggling even to make it myself today, I'm just gonna bless you right now also with the creativity now, because you're gonna wake up for something bigger than yourself. And I do believe with all of my heart that God is gonna give you ideas. He's gonna give you loaves and fishes so you can feed a multitude. And you have some 12 baskets left over, some for you and some for your family, but also some for the least last and lost. So it doesn't matter where you're at is that each one of us gets to be involved in the harvest. Let's build a net together by doing some networking and net fishing a family on mission with God. I love you and I look forward to see all of you that is coming alongside us this year where we're going to double what we do because that's what the harvest is waiting for. Love you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif Hetland on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.